I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Make Defense Grading On. My name is Chris Dasser, a.k.a. Coach Fast. Hey now! Thank you so much for joining me. Today we have Nick Davis, defensive coordinator at Rose Holman, teaching us his pressure package. Just very multiple, very fun to run. Has a lot of great stuff and easy to teach. I had Coach uh, on a Glacier Clinic during the Corona Palooza times, and I love the package so much I wanted to bring him back on and go through it some more. Coach is really innovative, and he has a lot of really good ideas, and he's a great teacher. So there's definitely some things in there that you can take back to your program and install in your playbook. Housekeeping items, patreon.com slash coach vast. Usually we have it at the beginning of the show. However, with the store launch, I wanted to make sure that uh, we got the word out about that. But the Patreon's still running strong. We hit our 300th member. We got everything you need. Access to my film library, including all 22 clinics, drill tape, my Seraphilm teaching cut-ups, a lot of really great stuff in there. Or if you want to be on the information side, we did a webinar with Wade Phillips last month. He spent two hours with us talking defense, a lot of game planning stuff from the season. We covered a range of topics from defending the single wing to empty. All of those webinars were archived for your off-season viewing. Some really good ideas and dialogue in there. And if you want both, you can get the gold package. That's patreon.com slash coachvass. The website's been redesigned a little bit, coachvass.com. You can click around. Make sure you check out the store and also on the front page of the website, you'll find a link to my new wing T course that I did with coach tube, which we will get to a little later on in the show. Lastly, before we get in the show, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you wouldn't mind taking a second to rate and review it, I'd really appreciate it. I know I've said this before, but coaches really have found and connected with the show through those reviews. More people are leaving them. So more people are finding it. So thanks for listening. Now let's get to the show. Let's get into it, man. My guest today is Nick Davis, defensive coordinator and defensive line coach at Rose Holman Institute of Technology. Coach, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Really enjoy uh, listening to your show uh, weekly. Well, it's a mutual admiration society then because I love the stuff that you put out. And uh, we did the uh, Corona Palooza with Glazier back in, I want to say March. I've seen your stuff. Um, you know, for a while, some of your Twitter posts. And if, if anybody hasn't made the connection, you Rose Holman guys, you have alter, uh, you know, Brian Vaughn blitzology used to coach there. He had blitzology and he was obviously Brian Vaughn. You're Nick Davis. You're also spread defense, correct? 
Yeah, um, I wanted to create like a, a brand when I became the defensive coordinator, get the the kids excited, and uh, it's worked. And uh, a lot of people, yeah, they knew me only as spread defense. So I, I ended up changing my uh, one Twitter account to at Coach Nick Davis because no one knew who the heck I was. <laughs> but they kind of across the country, people knew what spread defense was. So right. I'm like, if I ever try to get another job across the country, maybe people should actually know what my name is. Yeah, that's true. And and uh, Brian was the same thing, except he he didn't really advertise it. And it wasn't until he did the show that people were like, oh, my God, that's the same guy. So if you guys haven't made the connection, Nick Davis, Nick Davis is spread defense. So um, but so Rose Holman, you are in Indiana, right? We are in Indiana and a quick story about Brian that you may think is funny. I coached with Brian here for three years and I didn't even know he was blitzology until <laughs> your, uh, your podcast. I think you were um, one of the I guys. Like, no way. Yeah. That's funny as hell. And it wasn't even cause we were sitting in his, his old office at FIT and then, and he's like, it wasn't even a conscious thing. Like I wasn't, it wasn't even like, Oh, I don't want people to know. Cause I think there's a mystery about some of the guys online that, you know, they, they go by their name or they go like, uh, I always joke around James lights an international man of mystery. I finally got him to come on a bonus podcast, but some people were convinced or like bets. Like there were people that were convinced that bets and I were the same person. And like, I was using that as like a burner. Um, I don't know how serious they were, but you know, but it wasn't even planned. Like it, he just, Cat did his thing and then did his other thing and and I call him Blitzology. Like I I he's in my phone when you pull up his name and you go to text like on the iPhone at the top, it says Blitzology. So was yours a conscious decision though to kind of keep it separate or what was it were you anonymous or was it just people weren't making the connections because they were seeing tweets from one account and the other account? Well, I felt like I was the most hated football coach on Twitter because there was just so much, you know, I felt like coaches wanted to follow spread defense because they wanted to see all the football stuff, right. but they didn't care that I was offering 80,000 different, you know, engineering students, you know, division three uh, roster spot offer. So <laughs> I kind of wanted to branch the two separate where yes, as coach Nick Davis on Twitter, I could post things defensively, but that was going to be mostly recruiting for my school and then spread defense was going to be kind of really all defensive scheme, whether it was me or blitzology or, you know, all the great guys across the country, whether it's your podcast, like I just want to get the word of great defense out there um, across the country. So that, that was kind of when I decided to kind of split those and make two different accounts. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I think some people sometimes, cause I'll talk about politics sometimes. I'm a huge soccer fan and my, what's funny is my Twitter account for the first eight years that I had joined in 2009. I think the first nine years, it was all like soccer stuff. And I tweet, I'm a huge FIFA player, the video game. And so I, I would tweet that stuff. It was like everything but football. And so much so that when my players started following me on Twitter, they didn't think it was me. They, they would tell coach Lowe, uh, my buddy, Steven Lowe was always on doing stuff with me. They'd be at school and be like, I think I followed Coach Fast on Twitter, but it's all this soccer crap. So I get it. And I and sometimes I go back and I tweet that. And it's funny. Sometimes I'll just for shits and giggles, I'll look how many followers I have and I'll make a soccer post and I'll lose two guys. I'm like, really? Of all the stuff that I've <laughs> tweeted, all the free clinics and the Wade Phillips and Dean Pete, you know, 
all this stuff I've done with Huddle, with Glazier, with the uh, other company I used to do the podcast with, all that stuff. You're going to unfollow me because I did one soccer tweet, but that, that's okay. You know, it's kind of weeding it out sometimes, but no, I definitely, but I actually enjoy when you, when you do talk about Rose Holman, because your mascot does the dance. Was it, is it the, uh, a commit dance? Yeah. The, we got Rosie, the elephant. And, and some of that. those are actually me. Um, but we did the Fortnite dances with Rosie, the elephant, um, and uh, the kids love it for some reason, but you know whatever the kids like. Uh, so we got to get the new. It's kind of the new coach on staff gets to put on the the costume and oh, do shit. some dances every year. Don't put that on football scoop, or do put that on football scoop. You get to learn with a great defensive mind, but you might have to get in a costume and do some Fortnite dances. <laughs> All right, coach, let's talk some football um, now. As listeners know, I'm not big on long bios obviously we want to let coaches give a little bit of background your background influences your coaching but you actually have a little bit of a career background that has maybe given you a different lens and and looking through for defense and one that we'll actually talk about coming up you actually you you played college football you were a defensive guy you ga'd as a defensive uh assistant and then you were a position coach as a defensive guy for a little bit, and then you moved to offense for a couple of years. Is, let me get that right. Um, well, yeah, so I, I applied for the D-line job here at uh, Rose Holman, and, and Brian was the defensive coordinator at the time. And uh, I was kind of one of two finalists, and the running backs coach left about the same day. Everything was going down. And uh, so I think Coach Sokol didn't really want to start another uh, search, and he obviously thought both candidates were good football coaches. So he uh, called me and asked me if I'd wanted to be the the running backs coach. Um, I said I'd get back to him because I knew nothing about really offense. And then I got on their website and saw that their running back was an All-American, and I figured I couldn't screw him up too much. So uh, I coached uh, offense for the first three years here at Rose Holman and actually uh, ended up becoming the special teams coordinator and then when Brian left, um, and obviously you know this a little bit and some coaches out there that coach Division Three, we don't have a ton of full-time coaches on our staff. So when Brian left, Coach Sokol came down, and uh, I was special teams coordinator. I did the whole athletic department laundry. Coach Sokol came down, did a semi-interview with me in the laundry room about what I thought uh, I would want to do on defense and uh, offered me the job right there in the laundry room, right, as I was uh, doing the, the volleyball and the, the soccer team's laundry. So uh, that's great. I, I got a D coordinator job with really without an, an interview uh, and definitely was not getting grilled on, on defensive questions. Um, but I think it just goes to if you work your butt off and the head coach or any coach on staff likes you, like in, he thinks that you're a capable coach, that anything's possible. So uh, – I started coaching on defense. I got here and uh, coached uh, linebackers for the first three years, defensive backs for the last uh, two, and then uh, our D-line coach left. And uh, being a small staff, it's whatever's best fit. So I moved to defensive line, and uh, that's what I played. So for the first time in my career, I'm actually coaching uh, defensive line, which I'm super excited about. That's great. We'll have to talk about later on about how you're going to do defense, uh, defensive line and be the defensive coordinator. Cause I think it can present some challenges if you don't do it right. Uh, so I'm kind of interested in your take on how you're going to balance, you know, not being there for seven on seven and things like that, but we'll get to that. Yeah. It's division three football, man. And even, even high school football, I was at St. Francis high school in, in Mountain View, California. 
and I was basically a super sub. So I would come to school and they'd put me in a classroom and I would just work in the football room until they needed me. And then after the season, I needed to make some cash. So they made me the garbage man. I was literally from like three to six every day. I would, I would go around to all the garbage cans, the small ones, and then take them to the main trash can and dump them in. So here we are Friday. It was like November 30th. Uh, we have football practice. We do our walkthrough. We play on a Saturday. We win the first section title uh, at the school in 10 years, maybe longer. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Then Monday morning, 40, not even 48 hours later, I start my first day as the garbage man. And that's awesome. Yeah. yeah I mean, and so, I mean, it's one of those things like you got to do what you got to do. And I, I was the best damn garbage man they had. But it was real humbling. You know, you, you walk in Monday morning, you, you know, you, you got a little swag to you. And then all of a sudden, by three o'clock, you got the gloves on and you get your ass humbled real fast. But uh, yeah, no, I, um, it's my best D3. I don't know if I've ever told the story on the podcast, but I did not mix well with D3 football. Um, I kind of grown up uh, taking care of myself and, you know, kind of, kind of, a, more of a free spirit driving across the country and doing all this stuff. And that real structured environment just it was like, it just wasn't for me. And I remember I, I really struggled to just, I was, I was also very immature in, in a lot of ways. And when I was at Millsaps and I, and I really struggled to adjust. I mean, I got there like two days before the whole thing started in, in like, I think it got there like July 27th or something. And we rolled right in, but I struggled uh, with the adjustments, but there was the one saving grace and that was fat Mondays. And that's when my old boss, myself, Ronnie wheat, who's now the safeties coach in Nevada, Reno. He was at LSU for the last six, seven years. He was Aranda's right hand man. And occasionally the head coach, Aaron Pelch, which another weird D three thing is Brandon Lechtenberg is the defensive coordinator. He is also the safeties coach. Our head coach Aaron Pelch was a position coach. So he was a subordinate. It's like those, it's like, uh, I, I know some guys out in California, the AD is like the defensive coordinator. So he's the head coach's boss, but once they hit the field, the head coach is his, but it's just a weird dynamic. We had fat Mondays and fat Mondays was, we do some things in the morning and then we game plan from like, I don't know, around 10 or 11 to like four or five in the afternoon. And we watch as a staff. And that was my favorite part of the week. That's when I really learned. And I remember there was a couple Mondays where I, uh, one in particular, I almost snapped was I'm sitting down. I got my pen and paper I had a rough weekend. This film was going haywire. Just, I was just like, thank you. I get to learn. This is why I'm here. And I mean, I was obviously there to be the position coach at coach corners, but like the main reason I wanted to go to Millsaps was to learn the TCU system. And Pelch pulls me aside and Hey, I need you to go to Walmart and buy like $500 of Halloween candy. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you need to go. You need to go right now. And you need, cause I guess the neighborhood that Millsap is in was not very, it, it was, there was a lot of crime and a lot of violence and stuff. And they trick or treating was difficult for the kids. So they did this thing called trunk or treat, which they basically stationed a player's car every two or three houses in the, in the, in the street. And the kids could go from car to car and get candy. Basically they'd have the candy in the trunk of the car. 
and I was responsible for getting all the stuff. Yeah. And he'd always spring it on me at the last minute. I think he knew, I think he kind of knew that I enjoyed Mondays. And so he would spring it on me at the last minute. So as not to be just completely dreading it, but yeah, you've some many, many interesting. I had to, uh, I got yelled at one time because there, uh, I, we, I was in charge of away meals and there was supposed to be four ounces of meat on the sandwiches. And apparently they weren't. And I got cussed out because there wasn't enough ounces of meat on the sandwich. Like I was going to do something about it. <laughs> so yeah, there's some, yeah, it was totally your fault. Yeah. I told, well, I, I basically knew in my mind I was going to resign. And so I just looked at him. I was like, next time I'll drive it the day before and bring my meat scale. And he just looked at me like he was going to kill me. And I was like, this is, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm not cut out for this, but no, I got humbled and I, and I've, as I grew up and matured, I realized how much that experience did for me. And I, I really have a soft spot for D3 football, but I love that. You're getting interviewed in the, the laundry room yeah. while you're doing the soccer team's laundry. That's fantastic. That is so that's that might, that might be the most D3 story I've ever heard. That beats trunk or treat. <laughs> so coach, how did coaching offense for a few years affect you when you went back and coached on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think uh, being at a, a smaller Division three program, uh, we did everything as a staff uh, game prep-wise together. Um, our head coach had coached offense for 20-plus years and coaches our quarterbacks here. Our offensive quarter, quarter, coordinator, excuse me, Brian White at the time, um, he had been at three Division one programs, and uh, our wide receiver, Chris Scheidt at the time, he played division one football as a wide receiver. So we did everything together and me not knowing much about offense coming in other than the defensive aspect of being a player and, and coaching. Um, I was just kind of a fly on the wall in a lot of the meetings. Uh, we, we would have to start the week, a big pass pro plan meeting that would be two to three hours where I'd have to draw up every single blitz in the world. And we'd want to figure out what our pass protection was. Whereas a defensive coach, now I look back on that and, as I'm watching, you know, the, the cut up of pass protection, I'm thinking about what are they doing, you know, in their meeting right now? Um, why, you know, cause th there may be a, an outlier in the week and you're like, what are you doing? And then you look at that team and it's like, Oh yeah, they have Aaron Donald. Like, yeah, they slid to him every time. That was why the statistics may not. So within our breakdown, I'll also put in what team that is. Um, and then as I look at that, I'll look at the statistics and see if there's kind of an outlier game and then try to figure out putting my offensive mind uh, on like, why, why did they do that? What, what was the reason for what they did? You know, and hopefully I know enough about the other opponents defense to know, Oh yeah, they're a field pressure team. That's why they slid to the field. Uh, most of the time they're probably not going to do that against us. So I think that was uh, huge. Then, you know, run game wise, like we watched all the run cutups together, you know, there'd be certain weeks where, there'd be a certain say they ran a, a three, five, uh, nine technique. And, uh, we were going to plan on running sweep that week and we got to that formation and that's all they did against that formation. And, you know, we scrapped it. So there are so many things that I learned that I had written down and, and kept in a book that, Hey, um, this presents a problem. Uh, teams would get out of what they want to do. If you're going to show, you know, 50% that you're three down 50% four down, in this situation um, to these formations, maybe they get out of their game plan. So those were, you know, just two quick things that I kind of picked up that has helped me on the defense side of the ball. I mean, those are great points. The problem 
for defensive coaches like myself. And I, and I coached offense my first year in coaching. Um, crazy story, but uh, the guy who was supposed to coach quarterbacks, I think his aorta split on Friday night when we were going to start on a Monday. And I'd never coached before. I was a, I was a student assistant at Miami for a brief period. And then I was a graduate assistant at San Jose State, but I was a, I was an observer. So here I am at my first coaching. I'm going to be the defensive coordinator, no less, in the top classification of football in California. I mean, I was just, it was good. I was so naive because I wasn't scared, and I should have been, you know, like I didn't know what I didn't know. And I'm like, yeah, bring these teams on. Like we played uh, Los Gatos High School, home of. Trent Edwards, Jared Allen, and then we played against Kiko Alonso. <laughs> and I wasn't afraid. Well, that's because I didn't know. If I five years from then, I would have been very afraid. But so the quarterback coach and and uh I guess kind of assistant offensive coordinator or assistant to the offensive coordinator. I feel like I'm in an episode of the office. <laughs> assistant to the regional manager. Um his aorta split. He was an older gentleman, and he lost all four of his limbs. It was cr- I mean, it was just insane, and there was hospital negligence. It was just a crazy story. And he passed away recently, um, Greg Barber, an amazing man. So I had to be thrust into coaching quarterbacks in, like, 72 hours. I, had, I, I didn't know anything about quarterbacks. I was 23 years old. And we were going against, like, Earl H- We were going against Palo Alto High School, Earl Hansen. And you may not know who Earl Hansen is, but Earl Hansen was the head coach of Pally. He he ran the West Coast. He ran the West Coast offense. And do you want to guess where he learned it from? <laughs> Walsh. Bill Walsh, who coached at Stanford across the street from Palo Alto High School. <laughs> so we were going against like, I mean, it was crazy. I, looking back and and the lack of fear, I think it was the the non developed prefrontal cortex that of being a twenty three year old or twenty four year old male. And just being naive, I was thrust into coaching quarterbacks. And so, and actually the following year, I was supposed to coach quarterbacks at Gilroy High School. And I was actually in Orlando at a Darren Slack Football Academy camp. And this is when Dub and um, Darren Slack had like one full-time coach, Will Hewlett, who's on Twitter. And they had a couple other guys who were helping. And so I remember as a sidebar, I'm sidebarring the sidebar. Dub pulls me in a room and goes, hey, I want you to analyze this, this thing I'm developing called R4. And he had me take it home. And because I at that time I had a lot of playbooks and stuff, and he had me analyze it, you know, by offense to see if it could fit all the offenses. And so I was training to be to coach quarterbacks that year. And it wasn't really a passion of mine. I knew early on I wanted to coach defense. And the DC at Gilroy stepped down. And I ended up uh, taking, he goes, you want to coach defense? I was actually at Darren. We were driving from the facility to the field, and I got the call. I was like, yes, I went out of this quarterback thing. And then I helped along the way, but long story, sidebar, I just figured those were fun stories. But sidebar uh, um, aside, I learned offense through osmosis from defense. Um, but and, and, I, and I sat and listened to a lot of coaches on offense. I watched a lot of clinic tape. I always studied offenses in the offseason, but there's nothing quite like coaching offense. And as the game has progressed and developed, especially at the higher levels, that experience that you had, I mean, especially at a division, it was a division three school, correct? Yeah. 
I mean, have that experience at a Division three school where you're basically a non-platooned high school team. In effect, you're working on both sides of the ball or you game plan together, rather. Um, you know, it's just, it's an incredible experience and it's not, you know, sidebars included and studying all those clinics and everything included. It's not quite the same as being a coach on the offense. So that's, that's incredible that you had that. It's such a formative experience. For the first two weeks of our fall practice season, uh, we didn't have an offensive coordinator and we had separate practices, offense and defense. So, um, although I had a pretty good grasp of offensive line because I'd coached running backs and I was involved in all that stuff. Like I actually got to coach our offensive line for the first two weeks. And, um, those first two weeks were awesome because it made me a better defensive line coach. It made me a better defensive coordinator because it was just kind of being that guy sitting there and teaching these offensive linemen, you know, the run game, the pass protections and seeing like what their questions were, what confused them um, and, and figuring out what in their rules, like, was tricky to them. And so uh, it was pretty cool. And then we were obviously, we got to the point in week three where we could come together. And uh, um, it was uh, pretty special to have like the offensive line and the defensive line together and kind of know both terminologies and uh, be able to kind of coach both guys, uh, sets of guys. So that was pretty uh, unique this uh, fall. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, One last sidebar. My other experience offense was Stephen Lowe, who's, the offensive coordinator at St. John Bosco and my best friend, we coached semi-pro football together. And um, for one of the games, he had a wedding to attend and I had to call offense and defense in the same game. And I've never been so we won and I've never been so exhausted after a game. So don't try that at home kids guys that have seen coaches stuff, may be familiar with some of his systems and we'll get into some of that stuff. But most importantly, and coach, I'm going to make sure I get this right. Last was it the last year, the last two years you led the country in sacks and TFLs. So the last four years combined, uh, we're, we're number one in the country in sacks and number two in the country and TFLs. If you include all the games, um, per game. So, uh, wow. it, and I like that stat cause it's something that, yeah, you can have one great year, but I think if you can consistently stretch that over four or five years, then, um, maybe you got a system that's worth a crap other than just you have good players. So I think if you can stretch something over four years, um, it's obviously we've had good football players here, but uh, there's been different, you know, one year we had a kid lead the nation in sacks, Mike Riley. That was 2017. We were second in the country um, in sacks. But uh, each year we've actually had a different kid on our team lead the team in sacks, and they came back as a senior and got beat out by another kid on the team in terms of statistics. That's awesome. So what do you feel are some of the most important things? Because we all preach getting sacks. We all preach TFLs and tackles and all that stuff. It's easy to talk about. But what do you attribute some of the things that you've done? And then we'll take it piece by piece to get to this point. Yeah, I think there's a variety of different things that can you know attribute. First, I think you got to emphasize it as a coaching staff, as the defensive coordinator, what is important. Um, cause I've felt like over the years, things that we've really harped on, like, especially at our school, we got a bunch of really smart kids that they want to please the coaches. They want to please their teachers in the classroom. So I think emphasizing it, um, it is huge. I think having a system that is multiple, we can get into three, four five, six down fronts, which presents a, a lot of problems for an offense. Um, 
And then I think it allows us that we don't see necessarily every um, offensive scheme in the world each week, even though we saw that on film, because that offense has to block um, three, four, five, and six down all week. So maybe they're a pin and pull team and they know we play, you know, a nine technique or we call it a seven outside the tight end and that plays dead for them. Um, that they aren't even going to work it, or maybe they don't want to run um, GT counter versus three, four, five, six down or something else. So we actually see on game day, generally um, a scaled down version of what that team wants to do because um, maybe they don't have every single rep all week to practice against all the different fronts that we may uh, present. And then along with the different fronts that we can do, um, we're able to set those fronts, whether it be three, four, five, and six down um, to the right, to the left, to the field of the boundary, to a tailback, away from a tailback, um, to a tight end, um, away from a tight end. We can set it actually to formation strength, or um, we could set it to a certain receiver if we wanted to. Um, so those things have allowed us to do some different things scheme-wise and game plan to put our best players in the best situations to make some plays. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. New Huddle is here, and it is the future for coaches. Huddle understands exactly what coaches need to prepare for game nights. With New Huddle, post-game review has never been easier. With efficient navigation, it's a game changer for your post-game review, scouting, and end-of-season analysis. Now is the time to get started with New Huddle to set up your team for success. Head over to Huddle.com slash login, click new huddle, and experience the future for your team. Again, that's huddle.com slash login, and make sure you click new huddle. That's all great stuff. Now, I'm intrigued by the three, the four, the five, the six down fronts. Let's start with three down. What what are you mainly playing when you're playing three down on the front end and in the back end? Yep, so um, we can play... I would say if you, if you watched our film over the last five years, you're going to see majority of a five zero five, but we have the ability to play four zero four. We have the ability to play four I zero four I and you know, the tight front. So we have the ability to do all that. We have the ability to go a five, um, a shade and a four I, um, and we could walk that, that linebacker. The thing that gives us a lot of flexibility is we had, we're a three, three, five system people wise, our Bob linebacker is that hybrid guy that has allowed us to be in the four down fronts um, and to be in three down fronts and present a lot of different looks. So front wise out of three down, um, that's what we're going to do. We can obviously bring a uh, majority of the time we're bringing the fourth rusher. We could bring five, we can bring six, 
Um, we can run, you know, all the different stunts in the world that you can out of three um, down. We have a, like a nice little system that the l- number of letters in the word. So an example, um, bed is a three-letter word. It starts with a B, so the Bob is rushing. The Bob knows that he's going to rush um, to his C-gap. And then the three letters tell the defensive ends, no matter where they start, they need to finish in the B-gap uh, when the play is over. Um, the nose will work opposite of the linebacker rushing. And then the other two linebackers then know what gaps they own based on where everyone else finishes. So that was a three-letter rule. We have a four-letter rule, which tells those guys completely different picture of five. Letter rule is your kind of NCAA long stick. Six-letter, every defense alignment works across. Um, so th- that letter system and, and words has allowed us coaching in a spread offense that's super fast tempo. When I coach an offense here at Rose, we, uh, we ran the most plays in the country, more than Oregon. Um, so we had that system built in to one word means a lot of things. Uh, the, you know, two words tell the whole entire formation. Um, one signal tells everybody everything. So I try to incorporate as much of that stuff that I learned on offense from Brian White, our offensive coordinator, who was awesome, um, into what we did on defense. And um, so long story short, every call for us has a front, some sort of movement where we're going to end up no matter where we started unless uh, we didn't move and then there's a coverage. And then on the back end, coverage-wise, majority man match, um, middle field closed um, defense. Um, We have the ability to play cover three, and and we've done that. Um, We've had some really good corners, so we've been able to play a lot of cover one. Um, And then we can actually get into – split field coverages, um, play cover two on both sides. We can we have some quarter stuff, principles um, in our system. So we, we try to do as much, and your podcast has actually probably presented a lot. My assistant coaches, I think, hate you because I'm always coming up with uh, new ideas. I'm like, oh, I listen to the podcast. We can do this out of our cover four now. And they're like, oh, <laughs> God, we got to coach another thing. So uh, – um, just definitely it. always trying to learn as a coach, but, uh, that's kind of what we do basically out of the three down. And, you know, obviously if you have any other questions, let me know. Oh yeah. I've got a bunch. First of all, your Bob linebacker, you said is your hybrid guy. You're picturing, let's, let's picture this. We're on the right hash defensively speaking. It's two by two here in one high, which guy is the Bob? See your middle back. Is he your middle backer? So the Bob is an outside stack guy for us. So we're different than I, I know your buddies with Brandon. I, I talked to him, um, Lechtenberg, and, and they'll put their kind of hybrid guy in the middle, I think. Um, but um, we'll put that guy as an outside stack. Now, every call has a way to set it. So if we want to set that guy to the boundary, he would be the boundary out stack, um, outside stack linebacker. Um, if we want to set him to the field, he'd be the field guy. Again, right, left. If we want to put him to the tailback, to the tight end. Um, so everything revolves on, he calls the strength for our defense because he's a hybrid guy. So he'll tell, um, the tackle, he travels with the tackle just so everyone can picture this in their mind. Our tackle is a hybrid defensive end three technique. Our nose guards that traditional zero Our defensive end. Um, he's the five technique. Um, he'll mostly always be a five technique. Um, our will linebacker is our middle stack. 
Um, he'll work with the nose guard and any sort of movement. And then our Mike is our field stack guy that works with the end on any sort of stunt combination. So those guys are how they present themselves, but you can't get in the world of our Mike, Will, or Bob are always field boundary. They can be wherever we want. Right. So coverage-wise, it, it takes a lot because they got to know whether they're a field coverage player or a boundary coverage player if we're rushing for. You got a lot of smart kids, so I think you can do stuff. You can do more stuff. And I was joking with you during the pre-interview. You guys might have the most complex defense in the history of mankind. You had a zooms during the spring, zooms during the summer, zooms during the fall. You can have zooms during the early winter because you guys aren't going to play to the end of February. So there better be no busts on that defense. Now, is that Bob? So he's your dude, right? He's your best player for the most part. Yeah, no, uh, you're really you're good as a defense flexible. when, well, I think he needs to be your best guy, but obviously if you got a dude, you know, three technique or nose or whatever, um, when we've been best, our Bob has been our, our best player in, in our box. Um, but it's also really nice to have a great Mike will nose end, right. but, uh, yeah, he needs to be flexible, but I think the great thing about our system is that could be a place you hide a kid too. Like, if you have a bad football player, you can put him to the bob, and you can always set him away from run strength. You can always put him to the short side of a drop. Like, um, so I think you can highlight kids in what we do, or you can hide them, um, which I think fits into, hey, you got a dude, or you got someone that's really bad, and you can put him away from all the action as much as possible. The reason I ask is because in our defense, the guy that did the most stuff, especially when we played a lot of two-back, was our weak safety. When we used to run the bear, he was the 40 tech will a linebacker, weak linebacker, you know, two deep zone. He's playing on the half. He's playing quarters. He's playing down as like a sky safety. So he had to do the most amount of stuff, but he was not our best guy. He was our smart. He had to be our smart kid because he usually set the weak side coverages. We'd give him a choice call and he would call the coverage based on the flank. But that it, it didn't mean that he was the best player. He just meant that he was the smartest or the guy with the most savvy. Often he would be, he might be our third best DB. Our our free safety, who's the guy that was mostly in the middle to the field, would be our best guy or our boundary corner. They usually be one and two, depending on the players or the team. It's been you know different things, and usually that weak safety is our third our third best guy, on average. I mean we're talking a decade of averages, but our free safety is kind of a brain dead position because we tell them what to do, but that's our dude. Because, you know, he's we're playing quarters. Most guys put their best slot to the field. You know, just law of averages. Or, you know, yep. he's got to cover the most amount of ground. So he's like our dude. But you can play. We've played running backs there. We Lo and I have shared running backs. We plug him in. I tell him what to do. But the other guy's got to make a lot of calls. So that's why I was curious there. Now, I think what's really interesting is, and I've had this long I've had this long-standing hatred of the stack, and I say that as a joke. It's it's been it's become a running joke because I was made I, I, when I went to Gower High School in 2008. I was asked they had run the stack, and they wanted me to um put it in and work it. But that's not what I I was. I'm an eight-man front guy. I'm a four-two-five guy. Have been since I started, and I I misunderstood it. And I didn't understand, I you know, I saw the 30 stack and then I'm like, well, how do you defend the eye? And I, and I just, as being a young guy, not really knowing what the hell was going on. I thought teams were 
playing five zero five with three stack backers and a four by four safety versus I pro no, you know, which nobody does that. They usually get down to under or whatever. Mm. And I always, and it was my own ignorance that influenced. And then when I started to learn about it, I was like, Oh, I'm an, I'm an idiot. You know, of course I didn't like it because I didn't understand it. And actually the more I liked it or the more I learned about it, the more I liked it rather. But it's interesting because I'm an even front guy. You have certain assumptions of odd fronts and what, it's funny, like I talked to Ron Roberts, who they play they're they're a damn near four two five team, but they play three three five personnel because their boundary guy drops quite a bit. And I always assume that like three down guys, their five techniques are created equal. They're two defensive ends, right? And and I think it's interesting and it it reminds me as you're talking through this, you know, if you really look at your guys, I mean it's really almost like even though it's a three, three, five personnel, your front's almost like four down in the sense that you have a nose body, you have a tackle body, you have an end body. And then one of your stack guys will be like your other D end if you're going to rush four. And I think at least in my brain, conceptualizing it, it really brings the defense to life. And I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. Everybody might be listening to me, but like, I'm going to go listen to something else now. This guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, but, <laughs> In all seriousness, I think that a lot of coaches just assume in three down packages, your five techniques are mirrored. And what you're saying is that's not the case, correct? Yeah, no. They, I mean, I'm really a, a four down guy at heart. But uh, when I got to Monmouth, uh, where I played college football on the first day, um, I was this high school defensive end, you know, never been anything other than a five technique. On the first day, they scrapped the whole four-down defense um, after the first day, and they went to a 3-4 because um, <laughs> we didn't have a three-technique worth of crap. So, um, And I just saw in, over the years we became more multiple and did three and four, and I just saw how it affected teams. So, yeah, you can have the same four-down personnel and play three-down fronts. Uh, and all, when things are all equal, like if that three-technique's not a great pass rusher, well, you put in your second-string defensive end if he's a great pass rusher, right. and you have two similar bodies um, on mm-hmm. third down. So I just think it's a tool to our toolbox. I love three-down three fronts versus, um, obviously, passing situations to do some different blitzes. You had Wade Phillips on talking about getting that man protection. Like That's usually a good sign when you get in a three-down front. Um, and and I don't dislike it against 11 personnel. I'd rather be in four down, but just my personality is I feel like you can fit the run better in a four down front. But again, yeah. in a three down front, it may be on paper a disadvantage, but that often still has to block you. And those are things I've learned over the years that just right. because power looks great on paper, those O linemen and that tight end still have to block you moving once the ball snapped. Right, and I just want for the record, he said that four down fronts are better versus the run. I didn't say that, so send your hate tweets to my man, not me. I don't need that shit. Because sometimes people's guests will say things. They're like, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, I didn't say that. That was not me, damn it. And No, it's funny. If you charted me back to 2012, I always make the joke. It's AM and BM before Millsaps and after Millsaps. If you go back to 2012 and you chart my course from 2012 to 2019, odd fronts went up. It was like straight, uh, a straight diagonal line going up to the right. If you charted it, I, I really fell in love. And really what did it for me was the tight front stuff. I, I basically have told the story a million times. We get to a state championship game. Their best run play was swing the back and the quarterback would scramble. 
And I said, if we man match, you know, cause we're a man match quarters team. Some people say zone match, whatever. Uh, I'm like, if the mic matches the flare of the back, it's a four zero box. And this is a kid that went and played quarterback at Arizona state as a freshman. He was a beast. So we wanted to get to the tight front to try to just clog up uh, the lanes and get an extra guy in the box to spy the quarterback, basically, which is typically not how people get to tight fronts. They get to there's a lot of thought presses to get to the tight front. That's usually not the one that <laughs> that you hear of the most. But I was like making it up. I actually had the back. Uh, I had the reads reversed. So instead of nesting the guy to the back or to where the quarterback was, I was bringing him and it was just it was a nightmare. But I had to make it up, and we 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 found out who we played on like a Sunday afternoon, and we had to play the Friday at four o'clock kickoff. So I was coming up with stuff, but I and I fell in love with it. The problem is it got too popular too fast. I thought I would get a year or two mileage out of it, but everybody already had their tight beaters in 2018 because of all the tight front we saw in 17. I'm like, damn! I only got one game out of this before people knew how to tag it. <laughs> But, but um, yeah, I, I really, the odd front stuff, especially on third down, it's funny. I, I played a couple games where we were odd because I, I was always even, 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 even. And on third down, we would get in some odd stuff to bring pressure. But there was a couple games towards the end of my, uh, I was about to say my career, like I'm never going to coach again. But by the end of the first part of my career, whatever you want to call it, it's so weird calling it my career. But whatever where we were odd front on first and second down, and then we could even front on third down because we wanted to just bring four and, you know, cover the mic up with the, cover the center up with the mic and do all those five O games and stuff. But anyway, enough about me. I talk enough. I want to hear about you. So now you replaced Brian right after he left, right? It went from Brian to yep. you. Now this is interesting because I obviously Brian is a good friend of mine. He's been on the pod. I've done webinars with him. We actually get to hang out in real life because he lives an hour from me. I know that will be coming to an end at some point. I'm very sad about that, but alas, it is what it is or something. I hate that phrase, but I just said it. But what you've described to me so far, first of all, I'm really intrigued by your system. But I know Brian, and unless he's pulled a, I'm not telling everybody on Blitzology fast one on me, a lot of this stuff does not sound like what he does. So where, where did you come up with the system? Where did it come from? How did you develop it? Because, and again, I full disclosure, I'm not a 30 stack quote unquote guy. And I know that you don't run the 30 stack proper, but I, there, this may be a common system because that's one of the big blind spots I have is the 30 stack. I've even studied a lot of different systems or three, three, five personnel systems, but it sounds very unique and I'm really intrigued, which is, uh, I'm going to sound like a dick saying this, but it's hard. Like I've seen a lot of stuff and, and you have too, but you really got me intrigued. Like how did you come up with this language system? Where did it come from? Because it, it sounded like it. I mean, you're coaching offense and all of a sudden you're the defensive coordinator yep. and you just have this amazing system. Like where did it come from? Well, so it's actually a really sweet story. You know, being at Mammoth, we were three, four, four, three. When I went to Ottawa, we were a university in Kansas in an AI school, um, three, four, they led the country in sacks, um, just traditional Wade Phillips, three, four. I'm, I'm sure every, you know, thing we were doing is what Wade Phillips was doing, um, or we were trying to do. And then, um, uh, so I get the, you know, I rose, I coach offense, I'm watching, you know, offensive film, I'm keeping notes of, 
oh, that, that defense did something good. That would be a pain in the ass. Oh, Coach White, our offense coordinator, doesn't like this. That would be a pain in the ass. So I had this notebook of things that would be a pain in the ass. Um, we actually, my first year at Rose, were a 3-4 because, um, again, we could get into four-man front, but we had four really good linebackers, and we only had four DBs we really wanted to play. Um, one of our best corners got injured um, week seven of that year, Kevin Nowak, and uh, we got a wide receiver that couldn't catch the football to move over, and I was able to keep that kid at the end of the year. So I'm like, we have five really good offensive backs. Let me invest in, in, in the 3-4 against trips. We got into an odd stack look. I'm like, let me invest into, you know, maybe 3-3 three, three personnel. So everything we've done is from me just kind of making it up or, you know, looking on the Internet and different stuff, and we honed you know, in what we thought was best. Uh, watched a lot of you know, Division I, uh, West Virginia, and Arizona stuff, and a lot of odd stack, but really at the end of the day, it was I can use the same principles we used in our 3-4, um, just replace the Sam with a nickel. Um, and playing man coverage allows you to do a lot of stuff in the box, which uh, – you don't necessarily can do if you're playing quarters coverage in the middle of the field against a two by two set and your will's got to get out of the box and do some different things. Like when you play man, you can keep your six core in the box. So that's really how my last uh, four years have been straight three, three, five personnel. Um, and the biggest reason we went to that other than we got the good kid is it was hard for when the tight end went back door for us to all fall back on our fits to fit, you know, inside zone, with the tight end arc and the, the defensive end and the quarterback pulling, that was super hard for our kids to understand. And then you get into a five uh, defensive back personnel and you do what Don Brown does. And uh, you, uh, we call it a wobble, but you're reading that why and that guy spins down and the other guy goes high and you've solved all your problems. So since kind of, you know, the tight end going back door evolved us into what we are doing now. Interesting. So, can you, t and again, I know there's trade secrets and things and it's okay if you don't want to share, but when you're talking about your system, so take me through that lettering system. I thought that was really fascinating. So, yeah. so three letters equals three man rush. Yep. Uh, well, three letters equals the defensive ends, my tackle on my end. If you guys are picturing it, whether they started in the a gap, B gap or C gap, they finish in the B gap. Ah. Um, and then if that letter has a B like bed, the Bob is rushing his gap, which you would own knowing that the, that's the C gap. If the word was like um, mid, mid is three letters. That means my mic would go on. If the war was word was war, my will would come. So it's essentially that system creates, it's a, where everyone finishes. But the ends are still fitting in the B gaps. If it's a three letter word, no matter what. Yep. How does the stack backers or middle guy know where to go is a war the will knows he's in the a gap because it's wa like how do they know yeah, where well to go? yeah so the will would be um he's always an a gap rusher unless we have some sort of um separate rule and what this system was great for me is because my kids all don't like their rules getting broken and math and science classes like they're hardcore category kids because that's how they're brought up so that's what we did was we created a system where I never break the rules. Um, but the Bob and the Mike know that they're always rushing. So the Bob always rushes, rushes opposite where the tackle ends up. 
So if the tackle's ending up in the B-gap, he's a C-gap rusher. The Mike would rush. If the end is going to end in the C-gap, he would rush in the B. So those linebackers got to know a little bit about where they have to know the D-line's rules. But then the D-line, they know their rules, and you can do whatever. You could bring the Bob, the Will, the Mike. We call that BMW because it has a B, a W, and M. We could bring BAM, which has a B and an M, and we're bringing the Bob and the Mike, and the defense alignment all know where they end up. So that's kind of our three-letter rule. So is four letters they end at the ends end up in the C gap? Yeah. So now, yeah. So now the the tackle on the end will be a C gap rusher. The Bob, if it was bike, he'll rush the B gap. The nose works opposite, and uh, your will and your Mike fits. You know their gaps that are, are uncovered. So you get into an overfront, um, essentially, or an under. Uh, against the tight end so let's say bam is the the i want to say the bandit that's what we call our guy so the bob and the Mike off the edge because it's a three-letter word yep and the ends know they're going to be gap but if you wanted to yep. uh I'm, I'm gonna make something up if, if i said blam it's not even a word but if i said blam b-l-a-m i'm sure you have a word for it that would mean that moby the Moby. Moby's our word. Okay. The Bob and the Mike rush the B gap. So then they would and it's not the that it because it's a four letter word. They, yep. Ah. And then our nose has a rule like he, some games will say rush to the tailback, rush away from the tailback. Some games will say be a head up rush if we have like a, a five man pressure. Um, and then five letters is your uh, your long stick um, family. So badge for us is that example. So the Bob's off the edge and the C. Your tackle is long stick and reading the guard so he can cross his face. If that guard's heavy down on zone or something, then he could B-gap it. Nose working opposite, and then your end, no matter where he started, he could be an A-gap in, in the personnel. He's going to end up in the C-gap. And then six letters for us is um, bridge would be the example. Bob off the edge, tackle in the B, nose um, in the A, and then my defensive end on the backside he's going to end up in the the C gap no matter where he started. So really with all that, we can create a ton of havoc and it's super easy for our defense linemen because they just need to know three, four, five, six letter words. And then my linebackers just need to know if their letters incorporated in that word. And then that there's obviously stuff that goes outside of that, right? That's just, just your basic rules. Yeah. If, if you were going to start playing odd stack and you didn't want to dabble into it too crazy because you're a four down guy, those, you know, those four letter rules would get you through pretty much everything you'd want to do. I would think now, am I just an idiot and I don't know this stuff or is this, is this something that's common or is this something that you created on your own? This whole letter system equaling where they end up. Well, I, I think I'm slightly dyslexic. So it's something I've created on my own, like at Ottawa, like in a three, four system, we would call um, like a field pressure, like sky lightning or whatever. Like I got here and that didn't mean anything to my kids. They're not super football junkies. So I was like, let me create a system that tests, you know, this time. And no matter what we do, those kids just learn those rules, just mm -hmm. like it was the algebra or physics or something. So, um, yeah, I, I hadn't, you know, people had ran bam and it tells you your Bob and your Mike, but there was no reason rhyme or reason what the blitz path was. Like I'd been at three different places and bam all meant something different. Right. So I said, you know, screw all that stuff. Let me create this system where really none of this makes sense. Like none of these kids are going to know this stuff in high school. 
Um, and then they, you know, make them memorize it. You know, I think it's really good if you got kids that are super smart, but I think a 13 ACT kid could realize bed is a three letter word. If you drill it in his head, that bed has three letters. Right. That's really fascinating, man, that you, and what I like the most about what you've said, and it's all great stuff, but I, I, what I find the most fascinating is you built a system around the types of kids that you have. You have smart kids. Great. But they're math. You were in engineering school. That's what you're known for. I'm sure you have other majors. Obviously, every school does that. But you're known for engineering. So you went to a system that had unbreakable rules. Because you get those kids, and especially in high school, you have all different types of kids. But, you know, I stopped using landmarks uh, in terms of taking routes at certain landmarks. Because you'd get that one dickhead kid that would... I shouldn't say dickhead. No, the dickhead kid that uh, <laughs> you, you'd say in quarters, hey, you have anything past 10 yards? And the guy would break an eight yard out. And he'd be like, coach, I let it go. You said nothing past 10. He was at eight. And then you're going to snap. So we say now anything past linebacker depth, which I almost think would be the opposite for you. Um, Like you would want to no, give you- them that that hard rule. I mean, or maybe not. Maybe that's an argument to do what I'm saying, but I think you know, knowing your audience and they think very linear, there's brilliant kids, but they, they live, they live. I mean, math, I don't say science doesn't change, but the properties of science in terms of like atoms and molecules, I I don't know shit about science. I'm exposing myself (laughs) here, but you know what I mean? When, you know, Bernoulli's principle or whatever never changes, you know? And so, well, I come from the world that you can argue your way out of shit. (laughs) You know, I'm a poli sci guy, like, you know, and, and I'm, a, I grew up as an, I don't say as an artist, but I was a musician. Like there are no, there are no rules. I mean, they're, they're kind of, there's guiding principles. I was getting really deep, but um, you know what I mean? And so I think it's really smart that you adapted or not adapted this. You built the system around this. I'd actually be honest. I'd be, I'm honestly curious how it would go. If you were to more of a liberal arts school, you know, like, would you keep the, the, the hard and fast rules just cause it works or, you know, I, I, I don't. And, and just out of curiosity is, is your background also in math and science and engineering and that sort of thing? No, I'm physical education. So I, you know, I'm just trying to think of easy ways that these kids can, can play fast. Cause at the end of the day, we do a ton of things. Right. So I wanted to make it super simple. Um, that whether the kid's super smart or not. And, and like, again, we're at a great school, but I got, you know, engineering students that, um, you know, are getting D's and F's because they're kind of lazy and, and they're not working as hard as they can, or maybe their, their ability wasn't as great as they thought it was academically. But, um, so we got some kids that, um, struggle academically a little bit, like obviously they're super smart and they all had mostly 30 or 36 ACTs. So, uh, but uh, some high school guys have talked to me and uh, transitioned the system over and it's worked well for them. Like they haven't done all, you know, 9,000 different things we can do in our system, but they've taken the, that letter rule and they've come back and said, Oh yeah, this worked for us. So it, it is interesting. And it's, and again, I think it's not my system. It's just create a system that's good for where you're at, honestly. And that's kind of what you said. That's yeah. That's smart. I think that, so many of us can learn from that lesson about building you know, system, your players like Mark Marinelli. I'm very different, but like Mark Marinelli at, uh, 
Northwest High School. I'm I'm blanking. It's in Kansas. It's in I don't know. Kansas, why. yeah. He's yeah. got the rap blitzes, right? He's got the rap blitzes, and that's what his kids <laughs> identify with. Um me, I'm a football nerd in Pura. So I'm like, that's Belly One Rat. Because Dave Aranda says it's Belly One Rat. And they're like, who the F is Dave Aranda? You know, I don't have that. <laughs> I wish I could do that. But, you know, it's about what they know. Um, I just think for myself, you know, I didn't have to create a system. But I think a certain way. And it's like, as long as I can get it out there. And it's high school's different because these kids don't have any experience or their experience is very little. So you can kind of mold them. But at your level, you're you're taking in kids that have played from all different programs. So you need something to kind of funnel it into a system. Now, let's talk schematically. Um, when you're talking about your three, four, five, and six down packages. Now, when do you like to play? And I'm, we're just talking generically. Like, this is just yep. all offense. Just 30,000 foot view. When do you like to run your three down stuff the most? Yeah. So if I think, um, uh, 10 personnel is obviously, I think an easy answer. And we see quite a bit of that in our league. Um, I just like, um, you know, I think it's very hard for people to zone block us. Um, if they're trying to run the ball in 10 personnel out of the odd stacks, just because of where our guys might end up. Um, I also like too if, um, we'll see a lot of teams in our league instead of going to a man protection, cause maybe there's not a lot of odd front teams in our league. So they just keep kind of their even front rules and they do the, the, I call it a combo, but the half slide, half man protection. Well, if you're going to do that, I can rush one linebacker and I can keep your six guys in to block. Um, so if I know a team's going to do a bunch of that, then I really like to bring just one guy, keep the tail back in. Cause there's a lot of uh, air raid ish type teams. And I know the air raid coaches are probably screaming right now. We don't keep the tail back and block. He's running a route. Um, but there's some teams that they will keep the, you know, or check release or whatever. Um, so if I know a team's going to do the, the half man half slide and, and allow my one linebacker one-on-one with that tailback, um, I'll do that all game long. So that's kind of the general area. I really like um, three down um, stuff. And then now you're adding bigger personnel. Then I wanted to get into more of the four down fronts. But again, with that, we have the ability to be three down and bring a single linebacker and you're four down on the snap of the football. And then the five, six down are really pass rush um, tools or, or third and short type tools for, for me. Interesting. Um, but not entirely. You have your your blitz package stuff, your fruit package, right? Yeah, and and we'll do that on any down. Um, but uh, again, at the end of the day, like I'm not necessarily probably going to do that on, on third and one every time. But yeah, the the six down fruit stuff. Um, we'll get into that, and I I try to steal some downs as well. Like on first and ten, if I know the percentage that they're going to pass. Uh, I'm going to do that. Uh, and we haven't been burnt too much um, in our six down fronts on any sort of speed option or counter or anything. I'm waiting until that happens, but I'm always scared. I'm like, we're going to get, we're in a six down. They're going to get us. This on is going to be the run. This is going to yep. be it. So like our percentages are like awesome. Like on third, especially third down when we're in our six down fronts, we're like 
the offense is like 22% efficient over the last five years. And then traditionally our defense is like 37. I'm like, what am I doing? I just should get in the six down fronts more often. Um, but obviously there's situations that you wouldn't want to get into that on, on maybe third and two or something. Um, Cause it's not necessarily the best if they're going to try to pull multiple pullers and, and try to outgap you in the six down fronts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get into the uh, fruit package a little bit. We talked about it when we did the Glacier Clinic. For those of you that didn't see that or just as a refresher, take us through that package and, and kind of the overview of how it works. Yep. Um, so, um, we actually went to wristbands this year. I'm a big fan, obviously, I said, of the podcast, but with all the COVID stuff going on, um, how we would yell in all 9,000 fronts we have, would we, or, you know, signal that in, we would yell it so it eliminated signal for the kids. So we would yell in our front and then signal in our movement and then signal in our coverage. Mm. Um, with us as coaches wearing masks, like I got out there day one of our fall practice and the kids couldn't hear me. So we scrapped the whole uh, – system of signal and went to wristbands and uh, got really good at it by practice 21 uh, of figuring out what, what the kids again it's not what's good for me on our wristband it's what's good for the kids so figuring that out so um, in the past we've called that our, our fruit system I think that'll be easier to describe it as we talk in, in the podcast um, but now in our wristband um, our wristband would say what four down or three down front we want. And then it tells that individual linebacker or both linebackers just to walk up, to walk outside, or uh, we have an off tag, which we can talk about uh, at some point during this whole thing. So, um, but I will refer to the, the fruits kind of, that'll be a better visual. So apple fruit for us tells our Mike and Will uh, to be in the A-gap. Um, so, um, It'll tell our, our nose and our tackle to be in the B-gap, and our bob and our defensive end, or uh, for the majority of these fruit fronts, are always going to be C-gap players. So that's Apple. Banana tells our, our bob and our mic to be in the B-gap because banana starts with a B. Cherry um, starts with a C. So now that tells our bob, or excuse me, our mic and our will to be in the C-gaps, which bumps our bob and our end in. Our tackle and our nose guard would be two eyes or shades, whatever you want. Um, we have an orange front, which would be just a normal four-down front um, with two-five techniques. Generally, we'll play um, two two-eyes in the orange front, and then our mic and our will are walked up in like sevens outside those five techniques. And we'll get into like why I like that um, at some point in there. Um, and then we have a melon front, which is a mixed fruit. So the mic is in the A-gap and the will's in the B. So that's kind of basically where we start. Um, we have... Um, a fig front, which is a field overload. So we have three of our defense linemen, like the, the Rams do a bunch. You talked about Wade Phillips doing it, I think. Um, but you get your, your bob, your tackle, your nose um, to the field, and then you walk up, and Don Brown does this, walk up the mic and the wheel to the boundary and the A and the B gap, and then you have your backside defensive end. So we have a field overload. We call that fig. And then we had a berry overload 
um, or a boundary overload. We call that Barry, um, where our, our uh, three defense linemen were to the, the boundary. Um, so that's kind of generally what we do with the wristband. I've actually found out that we're able to do even more stuff because it's just a simple tag that, a, you know, multiple tags on a signal would be hard, I think. But if the kid can just see, oh, yeah, this is a four down front and the mic's up and the wheel's outside, we're able to create some different looks. So that's kind of the basic of our, our fruit uh, front. You know, going through, obviously, there's a million things that you can do without giving any state secrets away. Let's go through each of those fronts. Just give me like two or three concepts you like out of each one that coaches listening can really incorporate. So I want to take a step back, though, before we do that. So when we're talking through this stuff, and correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of you kind of said that uh, what I got the, the, the gist of it is in these fronts, they're they're. They're even spacing, correct? Yes. Um, we have the ability to go like a bare front and walk the will linebacker down in the A-gap, especially, and we can talk about it when we get to man protection, but that's a, a booger for man protection. But uh, most of our fruit fronts are even spacing. Um, we had one fruit front that was odd bare spacing, which brought the, the linebacker, the middle stack guy, um, up on line of scrimmage in the A-gap. Okay. So that, and that makes sense. So your nose and your tackle kind of go together. So yep. now you're more of a, well, I guess it wouldn't be a four, two, five. It'd be still three, three, five, because your nose and your tackle are going together, your end and somebody else is going together. So your end the bob. and your bob, is it always the end of the yep. bob? It, yeah, for us it is. I mean, you could, if you're, if you want to get your dude bob in an unblocked a gap, then you can, you know, obviously figure that out and, and put, um, your mic, your will, but for us, it is our end and our Bob just to make things easy because the Bob's our four down player when we go in our four down front. Okay. So that was, that was going to be my next question. So, and now your mic and your will are going to work together. So I know that there's some, the, uh, Ravens do this. They call it different, uh, stones and marble granite or some other things like that where they'll, and it's not necessarily their six up, but, uh, they all have stuff where, like, for example, if they're if they're doing seven man protection and their the backs are chipping the ends to both sides and the ends of their badasses, they'll put their ends as the a gap blitzers and bring them up the gut and then have their backers be the edge guy. I've done stuff like that before too, but so I, that's my experience with it. So let's say Apple. So to review, you have your bob and your end on the edges, your nose and your tackle, and I guess three techniques, and then your mic and your will in the A-gaps? Yep. So what are the top three things you like to do out of that? Yeah, so I think it's all based on what you're seeing from that um, and, and what you can anticipate that you're going to see. So I always want to carry, um, out of Apple, I want to create carry a, a zone slide protection that they're going to six man slide it all the offensive linemen are going to go in one direction and you get the tailback and we're um, talking off the opposite full slide right yeah full okay. slide so i call that like a zone um full slide protection um so i want to carry one of the those out of apple into the game and then i want to carry a they're going to man protect it um and their running back's going to take the the mic linebacker if the mic's to the a um that so out of apple if i know that they're going to full slide it um game plan wise or that's what they're doing in the game i think the easiest thing is to drop both your mic and your will out and you get four guys rushing um 
and your one-on-one with a tailback. So with that, you can play all your coverages, um, and that's been super successful um, for us. Now, um, what I think teams have done a nice job is that was their initial plan five, six years ago yeah. when we saw this and they weren't seeing all that. Oh, let's just full slide it. That's easy. Yeah. And we were mm-hmm. dropping out. And so they're saying, well, let's call their bluff and let's just run a man protection and see if they come. So um, if we feel like they're going to run a man protection or a half slide, half combo, why I say a man protection, because at the end of the day, it's really whether they called a half slide half man protection, it really turns in if you have six guys line of scrimmage, six across man on man. Right. So we'll read the center. Um, and everyone does this in the country. I think that gets into the six down is the mic and the will will read the center. Um, they'll both step. If the center steps to the mic, the will comes, he should be one-on-one with the back right in the quarterback's lap. And then the mic will drop. Um, what we've noticed too, is we'll have that mic as he's dropping, whether he's a low you know, it's a five-man rush. You can play whatever coverage you want behind it. Obviously, we like man-match, um, or not man-match, but a, a cover-one defense. But you could play some sort of three-hot, you know, zone, whatever, or cover-two trap deal. Um, but what we've liked, too, is now when that mic is dropping, that center generally tries to go back and clean up on that will. So we'll add the mic back in. So we'll do some different things like that because – now the center is like, oh, the mic's leaving. We'll have the mic watch the center to have him turn back and then add the mic back in because quarterback's most likely going to scramble, and where he would scramble is probably going to be that open gap where now the center thought he was going to block the mic. He turns back to block the wheel. And you'll get that high-low a lot, too, of the tailback cutting the wheel and the center coming back. Um, so you can get some penalties out of it as well, um, and then our mic will add back in. So th- those would be the two things I like. Um, if you're getting zone protection, drop dudes. If you get a man protection, um, read the center and bring one guy, and maybe you get in a coverage where you can add a second guy in as well. Now, do you ever run the pressure where, let's say, the backer away from the back blitzes, and then he takes the center with him to the side of the back? So you try to get the center taking that guy so the back has to come across the A gap and take the other A from where he's aligned. Do you ever do anything like that? Like a little cross? Yeah, we've done that. Um, we've done – We it's not necessarily, a, I guess, a cross blitz. I know what you're talking about. We'll do a center pick where both of them aim for the center to pick and it turns into that cross blitz so that running back thinks he's got the will and then the will tees the center up and then the mic crosses and you put that right. center and that tailback and, and conflict – um, so we, we've done that. We, we, we would rather, um, do that if, if we have like our, our melon, which is our mixed front. So we get a linebacker and a defense alignment, um, just cause the defense line is generally better with the pick than the two linebackers. Um, but we can do that out of our, um, um, definitely, uh, if we think we're getting man, if it, if it's zone, it's actually not bad too. Um, if you're getting that full slide, you get, um, O-line coaches in the, across the country are probably yelling at me right now, but I think the biggest thing to do against a full slide is work opposite it and stunt. Those coaches are going to say, oh, they just protect their gap. I have clips of 50 to 75 clips you know, over the years of the offensive lineman protecting the B gap, but then he works back to the A when someone crosses his face, so we've broken their full slide. Like, 
we put that guy in conflict. Put those offensive linemen's eyes in conflict as much as possible. Every O-line coach in the country is going to tell you, oh, we're picked up at full slide against stunts. Well, stun them and, and see if they're, they're picked up. That's one thing I've kind of learned over the last five years is the, in the playbook, their rules are there, but they always want to do something, and their eyes will, you know, and you can pick that up on film. Watch that offensive lineman. If he's sliding to the B, but his eyes and he's eager to go back to the A when something crosses his face, we'll try to create as much havoc on the slide side with different stunts. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> we saw a team, and I've, I think I've told the story before, but we saw a team that they were, <laughs> I, I still can't believe this. They would half slide a 50, a three down, not, not a 5 0 look, but like 5 0 5. And, you know, you're supposed to blitz, to, you know, you're supposed to, you know, pressure the man side, right? Get two on the back. Well, we said yep. no because, their nose, their center would lock on the nose no matter where he went. So we'd actually blitz into the slide. Yep. And we would present, we would prevent the center from being able to go to the slide side. And so we would, I got this from Brian, we would line up a shade to the side and they always slid to their right. It was fantastic. So we would line up the nose and a shade to the left to really draw that center. <laughs> and basically give the rat the cheese. So yep. he would he would go to step to the side that he's supposed to slide to, and we would grab him, and then we would go, and he would always lock on. And so the end would come upfield, the nose, we called a a gop, gap opposite. That he that he would go and he'd pull him to the to, away from the slide, and then one backer would hit the A, the other backer would hit the B. The back is going, and they were in the pistol too, which is fantastic. Because then he would come up to the other side, and the back had to come across in front of the quarterback to pick it up. And usually, what would happen is we'd bluff the backer to the side because we always knew where they were going to slide. They were going to slide right, back, left. So we'd walk the backer up to our right, their left, to occupy that back's eyes, and or do some edge pressure. So they we maybe they try and fan it or whatever. And we'd have a two-on-one on the guard every time, every time. We were in the splits in 14. We ran it three or four times in 2014 on a two-minute drive, and we got like two or three sacks in a row. We ran it a couple times in 15, a couple times in 16. And in 2017, end of the regular season for the league title, we ran it three, four times in a row, and we hit the quarterback all four times. <laughs> and it's just like, I, okay. You know, so if you can manipulate, use their rules against them. You know, if you can get a 4-2 slide, that's why these teams at half slide versus odd fronts, first of all, what the hell are you doing? And second of all, okay, yeah, you're going to, they're, oh, yeah, we're going to the slide side. We'll be three and three. We'll pick it up. You mean to tell me, we used to use a kid, uh, Neil Moffey, who will play in the NFL one day. He was uh, 380 pounds. Kid was a beast. Started at UCLA, eight months, nine months removed from an Achilles injury. Starts as at, at LA or UCLA as a nose tackle at 17 years old, true freshman, nine months removed from an Achilles. And even though he couldn't rush the passer to save his life unless it was a bull, we would put him at the zero specifically for these teams. Because you think the center's going to let that guy go? Hell no. Hell no, he's not going to let him go. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we would give the rat the cheese, man. So that's an excellent point. 
make them make them test out that playbook. Make them test out their rules. Give a kid yeah, because uh, give a kid the cheese. They're gonna and tell you it's locked. It. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's that O line coach is gonna be like, oh yeah, we're sliding. You know, there's no sacks on the slide, but there's so many times in a four down front that that guard you know, gives that presence on that two eye technique or shade to help that center out that you can stunt your, your five technique inside to the B and, you know, run that outside penetrator inside looper. And that against the slide can get home a ton. If that guard really wants to get a lot of the presence on a two eye or shade, like um, there's nothing they can do. Like, and then you put that guy in conflict and now that guard's really, work into the B and now you got a kind of a one-on-one with your two eye against the center on the slide, um, which is good. Yeah. And, and it, especially at the lower levels, um, like in high school, you know, try it out. If you're best, if you're playing left and right or whatever, for whatever reason, your boundary guy is your best blitzer and they slide to the boundary and you really want to bring your boundary guy. Now, if you have a system like coaches and you can switch it, but Try their ass out, man. Make them, make them prove it to you. All right, coach. So after the apple package, we're going to progress to the banana package. Go through that with our coaches and how you like to use that. Yep. And uh, I'm a big believer that you shouldn't have something unless there's a reason for it. Um, so just kind of two thoughts here. If you're getting that slide zone protection, um, whether it be a five or a six man and the tailback's coming off an edge, um, uh, why I like the banana is now your linebackers are in B gaps. It's better for their drops. If you're going to rush for it and drop both those guys, cause you're getting the full slide and you're getting the one-on-one. So um, I, I really like that. If you're playing a cover three or a cover two and your linebackers got to get the crap out of there quick, um, just putting them one gap over, gets them there a little bit quicker. Um, the other thing that I like too, is if you're playing some sort of uh, we'll get in that look, know we're getting the slide and we will do a like a, a red add-on dog with the, the one of the b-gap linebackers so when he sees he'll drop out like he's going to play that running back in coverage and when he sees that guy block the defensive end he adds in so you end up with almost two uh one-on-one with that defensive end and uh, a lot of times those tackles you know again their coaches telling them hey um you got to, you know, slide and don't work against the slide. So we, we got clips of the tackle just letting, you know, the B-gap linebacker drop and seeing us add in, and he does nothing about it because he's sitting there blocking air. Um, or if you get him to come back to block that guy, then you can run some stunts, and you've now manipulated their slide protection, which they don't want. That's why they're sliding is they want to make sure everybody has a, um, a gap. So uh, – that's two things that I like uh, against the, the slide side of the protection. And then uh, to the man side, so if they aren't going to slide and, and they're calling your bluff to bring the guys, um, one thing that I like to do um, is, and why I do like the banana is uh, if they're a team that is disguising their protection with their tailback, a shotgun team, and um, maybe 50% of the time the, the man side of the protection is to the tailback and 50% is um, away. Um, I think this is a great angle that you have from the B-gap linebacker with a one-on-one with the running back that has to cross that quarterback's face. I think that scares the quarterback a little bit and makes him uh, get a little antsy. The other thing that I like to do 
um, is now with your two interior guys, whether they're shades or two eyes, I like to run the, the pick stun on the center. So if you're, whether it be a zone slide side or a straight man protection or a combo protection, whatever you want to call it. Um, I like the, the pick, um, because now, um, you're creating some disruption with your two interior guys. And it almost becomes that cross dog that you were talking about with the, the apple with the two backers. Now our defense alignment are both doing that. So those are two things I really like out of the banana package, um, that we can do versus a, a zone slide protection, or if they man slash combo that. That's brilliant. Now, do you ever line up? So, you know, bluff and A's with the linemen, B gaps with the backers ends off the edge. One thing, and I know this is it's a little different, but it's the same thought process in, in, in the end. And this will make sense in a minute. I promise. But when we would bring we're you know, we're too high team to start out with. And this, I may be answering my own question because I know that you play a lot of one high. We were a too high team and we had the damnedest time, no matter how good you were at disguising. If you were bringing a linebacker in an A or B gap, and I know you're talking about bluffing and getting out and then bringing those guys, but let's just say, you know, for the sake of this part of the conversation, you're bringing those guys. You can do whatever you want, but at some point, if you're a four down team or you're lined up in a four down look or a six down with those two guys being linebackers, however you want to classify it. If you're bringing an A gap or B gap linebacker, they got to get there because we love line, you know, disguise. We love disguise as much as the next guy. We tell our guys never align or disguise yourself out of doing your job. And one thing that we always struggled with was at some point, those backers had to creep in the box. Even when we were apexed showing too high. Now I was going to do this this year. In fact, I had it on my list of things to do towards the end of last year, but life happened and I didn't end up coaching and the teams I helped weren't really doing this type of stuff. So it never really used it. One thing that I wanted to do was to start lining up in one high and say, you know what? We can't disguise that we're bringing this stuff, but what we're going to do is we're going to line up in one high. We're going to mix in a little bit more one high. If this is something that we're going to do a lot of, but we're going to line up in one high to cover those slots. And then we're going to buzz out to two high. So if you think about it, imagine just a normal four, two box, you can line up an apple chair. It It doesn't matter. Those guys are X's on a chalkboard. You can almost eliminate them. You can put them wherever. But you're going to cover your field side slot with your nickel, your boundary side slot with your weak safety. We're talking two by two. And then we would stick our free safety, some people's what they were called, our strong safety. But our, our, our field side deep safety in the middle of the formation. And then we were going to buzz him out to the field half and then bring the weak safety back over the slot to the boundary side half. Did you guys ever do anything like that to protect your look? So you weren't always given away. It was one high coverage. Yeah, no, uh, we have that built into our system. So, um, last year when we signaled things in, we had a one high, two high, three high signal for the, the coverage family. So for example, say we wanted to play cover two. If, uh, I had two hands up, it meant that it was a two high shell to start with. And obviously it covered two. That's how you're going to finish. If I had a one high, um, if I wanted one high that they made it look like we were playing cover one, it was one hand signal. Um, so our disguise was kind of built into our signal. And then what we call that technique would be an exit deep half guy. So if it was two by two, the, the boundary 
um, safety is your exit deep half guy. He waits until the quarterback gets in his cadence, and then um, he's got to get to where he needs to be. Now, he's in a pretty good alignment because of his width, um, because he's already going to be off the hash. Now, he just gotta, he's got to get some depth so he can play between one and two. Um, and we've done in the past where we've had our, um, both of our overhangs be the exit deep half guys. And our, our middle field safety comes and spins down to be the field uh, inside two player or, or wall two player, whatever you want to call it. So we've definitely um, done that. And that's been within our, our signal is how we've uh, got to different disguises there. That's great stuff. That's actually one of my favorite concepts that I studied this past off season was, and I'm sure a lot of people did it. I'm again, it's just, you know, what you see first kind of a deal, but coach Aranda had, I can't remember what team he was doing it versus, but he had an amazing sim pressure where if you can picture this guys, if not, yeah, I'll give you a half a second to take out a pen and paper to draw this. Cause it's really awesome. So I believe he was in he was in three down. Um, he had his, or I guess it would be their nickel. Well, six one half dozen the other. So they had their three interior linemen. Let's say in your defense, into the field, ta- uh, nose over the over the center, tackle the boundary, ends and tackles are in threes. I want to make sure I get this right. Your Bob Backer walked up off the edge to the boundary. Your Mike walked up to the edge to the field, and your Will is the stat guy behind the nose, right? Were you with me so yep. far? Okay. Uh, and then, so from there, you have your nickel. And I believe LSU, what they did was they had their nickel in the middle of the field, which kind of gave it away, but you could do this however. They had their, their let's just, uh, I'll, I'll do how they do it, and then you can modify it. Your deep field safety over the number two slot to the field. Your boundary deep safety over number two slot to the boundary. And then your nickel standing in the middle of the field. So it looked like bear cover one, right? On the snap of the ball, the Mike, who's off the edge to the field, dropped out to two. The Bob in the boundary dropped off to his two. The ends went from threes to cop or contain on pass. So they'd work through the B gaps out. The nose slanted to the back. I actually believe they did a pick, but I like it just cleaner. So the nose would slant to the back. Yep. The will zero stack would stand away from the back. Your old fashioned bear plug. But what was cool was their slots, their slot defenders would buzz out to the deep half and their nickel was a Tampa player. So he just played it from the middle of the field. Almost like Iowa State plays their Tampa 2 stuff. And it was like uh, it was like the greatest blitz I'd ever seen. Again, I, I you know, and I'm probably gonna get people laughing when oh, I saw that seven years ago, because I do that all the time, and then I get mad when people mm-hmm. do it to me. Um, but the bear plug is one of my favorite easy pressures. And then you you get and it was it was more of a man match to I don't know. It was I actually I, I can't speak to that. It may have been zone match, but it was basically a Tampa concept where the middle guy, and I guess probably with the bear plug, they weren't, I guess that I'm pretty sure just guessing with the pressure that the team that they played weren't, they weren't flaring the back a lot because that's not something you want to do if the back flared because you'd be short. Yeah. So I must've studied that. Hey, if we get in this look, they're going to keep the back in. 
So that's very important because if he goes fast three, the only way they can match that is if the Mike backer who's off the edge buzzes out, pushes through to the flat. And then your middle Tampa player comes flying down to the slide. This is not going to happen. It's not going to work. So this is a, this is, you only can do this for a team. that's going to protect with six. And I just thought it was fantastic. I'm like, I get the best cut. Co- my favorite coverage and my favorite coverage in football is man match two deep. Um, I think you get all the the bonuses of cover two zone with the um, not sitting guys in the curls. If you're getting four verts, it's it's truly six on four deep. And I got a Tampa player on top of it. Like, I mean, it was just I just saw it. And it was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Now, again, Coach Aranda is a genius and I know he listens to the podcast sometimes. So, Coach, please, please don't be mad. But. The only thing that kind of gave it away was the nickel was standing in the middle of the field. So, you know, I barely knew LSU's personnel and I knew that I'm like, oh, that's their nickel. So if you get a figured out a way to do it where the free safety or there would there be their strong safety, we're a four, two, five. So strong safety is our nickel. Free safety is our field side guy. So I confuse coaches sometimes, but their nickel star, whatever was in the middle of the field. And then their field half deep, usually field safety was down over number two. But I, I just I love that stuff. Well, and your uh, your nickels the uh, when you're doing your Tampa, you got a defensive back versus a linebacker, which is awesome. Right, which is the benefits of the the Iowa State stuff. You're coming deep to short instead of short to deep. And I believe uh, I might screw this up. I want to say it was third and ten. I may be making that up, but it was third and long. It was third. I think want to say eight plus. So you had a guy over the ball at the sticks. So if they tried to run an option route or a stick route, you had it covered. All right, so we've covered banana. Coach, thank you so much for allowing me in the sidebar and hijack the conversation. <laughs> We're going to move on to Cherry. So, Coach, explain to us what Cherry is and when you like to use it. Yeah, so Cherry would be our Mike and our Will are now in the C-gaps, and now we've bumped our, our Bob into the B. Our uh, defensive end, our field defensive end is now in the B, and then our nose guard and tackler. Um, either double two eyes or double shades, whatever you want to do um, from that. Um Again, if the center's not great, um, putting double shades on him's a, a great thing. Maybe he'll have a bad snap. Um, if he's a, a world beater, then maybe the, the two-eye. And we'll even do a combination of um, a two-eye and a shade some different times. But uh, what I really like about Cherry is I think it turns into an automatic slide if they're truly blocking personnel because – now that line, that running back is going to be responsible for your stand-up Mike and Will. Now, again, our Bob is a linebacker, so maybe they would uh, man-protect, combo that, and block the Bob linebacker. But again, if that's what they're going to do, that's what I want. That, that's putting my best pass rusher here. Um, that is a linebacker and probably the best pass rusher in our program. I don't want the running back. So that's what I like about Cherry is I think it just turns into really – a automatic slide so i know exactly what i'm going to get um and then from there uh you can drop those guys out and you can have the the bob and end do the cop contain um we have a pretty special defensive end that's a great athlete so now we can drop our bob and our defensive end pretty easily and just rush four so that is kind of the main reason that we would get into a cherry look would be some sort of matchup and know that we're really going to get a slide protection um and if they aren't slide protection, then we're probably getting the, the Bob one-on-one with the running back, which we want in the B-gap. 
Now, is this something you're doing a lot when you're seeing empty? Because I, I know we've done that a little bit where we've covered the interior gaps with the D lineman, walked a backer up. And I know, again, I'm operating under, and, and tell me if I'm wrong in doing this, but and kind of touched on it earlier. But when we're talking about this fruit package, can we basically, we basically can consider the Bob a defensive lineman when we're categorizing. I know it's a backer personnel, but. You're grouping those guys together, correct? I just want to reemphasize that or check the check on that. Yeah, I mean, if you're a four-down guy, you can you, you can do all this stuff. But okay. yeah, that guy is just a, a linebacker uh, personnel for us, so we feel pretty good that we can drop him um, easily. But yeah, that's something we really like against empty, um, especially early in the game. If they're going to present empty in the openers, um, we're going to probably have some sort of six-down look. And I think the beauty of if you're a good coach, you have 50% of the time you're bringing um, five or six and, you know, 50% of the time you're, you're dropping at least two or three or four um, guys potentially on, on what they're doing. So uh, that's good. Um, early in my, my career, uh, people would go empty and I would bring just cover zero every single time. And then uh, Mount Union ran a screen on us. Uh, they won 13 national championships. They ran a screen on third and eight. And we actually got off the field. We, we tackled it um, for a seven-yard gain, and they punted. But I was like, oh, it, it took uh, four and a half years for someone to do this. Uh, yeah, now it's on film. So uh, we definitely want to get in some sort of plan uh, where we potentially can drop uh, two, three, or four guys against the empty as well. Yeah, the good old days when teams weren't throwing the ball as well. And, and I, you know, I moved forward and, I was going through my cutups from Sarah as part of my Patreon, and uh, I watched some of the stuff I did versus empty and that sort of thing like four or five years ago, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I wouldn't have the balls to do it. And it was interesting. You know, I talked to Ron Roberts, and I mentioned this on the pod a few times, but I went and visited Ron Roberts in the summer of 2019, and he said something really profound to me that's really stuck with, I don't profound, but it was very poignant and it stuck with me. And it's basically high school coaches. And, and again, at first I was like, no way, but I really kind of sinking in and listening to the offensive coaches on Twitter. Now I, I'm starting to fully 100% believe it, but he said, high school coaches know more about the passing game now than college coaches did 10 years ago. And it's really true. I mean, some of the answers versus zero and some of the answers versus some of these exotic stuff, I feel like, you know, part of the reason that I did this podcast and started it was because I feel, I, I felt like defense was kind of on the back foot a little bit. And yeah, some of it has to do with the rule changes, but I, I think we, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, Offensive coaches have gotten all that, all the energy that they spent trying to block all these goofy fronts that we used to present when they were not in the spread formation. They're using that brain power now in the passing game. And I think that there's some really great stuff out there. And I think it kind of put us back on our haunches a little bit. And I, and I, I see some of the stuff that people are doing for different answers and even not, not even non blitz stuff, just some of the answers that people are creating. I think it's really an inspiring time in the game, even for, you know, an old guy who was hosts a podcast called make defense great again. But I think we're in really a, a golden age of offense. You know, I think eventually 
defenses are going to get so small that offenses are going to try to go back and you'll see that cycle again. You know, I'm predicting I'm getting way off topic here, but I'm predicting that like the more success that Kansas state has, you know, when coach Kleiman really gets that thing going from North, the North Dakota state guys that I, I can see teams that don't have the speed going kind of back the other way, but just, I don't know. I just, I think watching these RPOs and watching all these, you know, even Nick Saban, the guy who like wanted to change the rules to combat the spread is the ultimate. If you can't beat him, join him. And it's just, it's really impressive what some of these guys are doing. And I look at some of our old answers and it's just like, Jesus, how did I get away with that and not get fired? And then you remember, Hey, this, this concept wasn't invented yet, so to speak. But anyway, I, I'm really apologizing, Coach. I'm sidebarring the shit out of this conversation. <laughs> Did you have anything else you wanted to add in Cherry? Um, no, that's that's pretty much it. Um, the the other thing you can do is I like three way interior tr- um, twist um, in Cherry. So uh, one guy will, uh, whether it be your tackle nose end or it could be your your nose tackle on Bob. Um, I like uh, twisting a uh, three way twist. Um, versus the slide or the man protection just make them make them block it and we're talking about the 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 basic ones where you're getting you know down down around so one three techniques going to the a one nose is going to the other a well one nose the nose is going to the a and then the other three is looping around yep uh yeah so uh how we do it is uh we we tag so we would say like bob um, Iceland and the Bob knows that he's going opposite B and the other two interior guys know that they got to get into the, both a gaps, no matter where they are. So, uh, and then we could tag it, you know, tackle and the tackle knows that he's going all the way around. So we have the ability that anyone really in our program can run the, uh, around the, the world or whatever you want to call it in terms of the interior stunt. All right, well, let's move to melon. So go ahead and give us what melon is and kind of outline that for us. Yeah. So, Melon's not uh, too special, crazy for us, but Melon is, allows you to get your field linebacker in the B gap and your boundary linebacker in the A gap. And we use this mostly for we feel that we're going to get a, um, a man protection and it now allows your field linebacker in the B gap better for coverages. So that's kind of why we would use Melon. Um, and then um, that that's pretty much where we would use melon. Um, that's probably the last thing of our, our fruit packages that we get into, but uh, I do think it pre- presents a problem. Um, there, there's been clips on film where they, uh, you know, they let the a gap guy go. Um, and, and the nice thing about my personnel is being a bunch of engineering kids, we're not getting the six, four, 280 pound engineer. That kid's going to Stanford. So we got a bunch of five, 10 to six, three kids that are anywhere from 195 pounds to 240. So all six of my box guys kind of look similar and uh, we'll teach all six of them to get into uh, um, three and four point stances. We'll teach all six of them to get into two points. So I think sometimes offenses, especially now that the defense linemen are wearing skill guy numbers, I think it's pretty difficult to ID some of our, our fronts in terms of who is the linebacker um, because we could have potentially four or five, six guys standing up, or we could have six guys um, in a three or four point stance. So I think um, the melon front, uh, you know, allows us to maybe um, get an upper hand where 
Um, there's a lot of times that we've gotten these fronts and they've mis-ID'd it and they've let two or three guys free um, because the, the running back and the alignment aren't on the same page of who they're going to take. Wow, that's good stuff. Now, you said that was the last part of your fruit package, but I have in my notes here, orange? Yeah, yeah, we have kind of uh, really, I would say, two other things. We have orange, and then we have our overload stuff, so I can talk about orange for you. Um, I'd love that. And then I have Mike Will, something Mike Will written down, too. Okay, yeah, that that would be like our uh, our uh, Mike Will, that was our overload, so we put them opposite the three defense linemen. So, uh, um, yeah, or our orange package is just in a normal four-down front, whatever you want to call. Um, your If you want to get in double two eyes, double threes, um, just your traditional three and two I. I think the great thing about being a mostly man system is it doesn't matter um, whether you're double three techniques, double two eyes or apps. But uh, so our orange package now, whatever four down, now we walk our mic and our will up outside. Um, and where we like this is if we know you're going to slide um, against the six down, now we got two guys, a five and a nine off the, um, and then we can drop the opposite guy. And then to, if we know that you're going to man protect that, um, then we'll drop our mic and our will, and then we'll run interior stunts or your traditional inside looper, uh, outside guy penetrator. Your outside guy is your penetrator. Inside guy is looper. Um, so that's just two ways. And then I think the bonus of that is if they're a team that's running a bunch of wheels and stuff, um, your Mike linebacker or will linebacker sitting on the line of scrimmage with great leverage, and he shouldn't get picked on any of those wheel routes. Um, a lot of teams are running mesh with the wheel. And if you're on line of scrimmage, you're in a pretty good shot um, to guard those wheel routes. Uh, a lot of times, if you just take it away initially, the quarterback doesn't throw it. Um, almost every time, that running back's a better matchup than that linebacker, but they just have to guard him for a little bit, uh, is what I've learned. And the quarterback gets on to the next read. So that's kind of what we like in our, our, um, our orange package. Now, pardon my ignorance here. And, and I and I am just learning this, so I may be made to look silly, but what is the difference between cherry and orange? So now in uh, orange, we have two five techniques and then two guys walked up outside of them. Where in cherry, we have a five and then a three or a four eye, however you'd want to play uh, it. So there was a guy in every gap. Now orange is we're giving up two gaps interiorly if you're going to run the football, and we have ways to – if it is a run, we'll just run a, a four-man pinch, and we'll end up in cherry. But we're thinking, hey, you're going to full slide it, and now I get a for sure two-on-one on your uh, tailback um, with the edge guys. That makes sense. I was like, okay, there's got to be <laughs> there's got to be a difference, and I may have missed that. So apologies uh, on my end. But um, all right, so that that covers your fruit package, correct? Anything else we need to cover there? Um, that that overload. Um, so we have our overload where we'll put our, uh, our, uh, our defensive end, our tackle and our nose to one side, and then put the three linebackers away from that. Our Mike will, will be, so if the field is to the right, our defensive end will be to the, to the right and a five, our tackle will be a three. Our nose will be a shade over on that side. Our Mike will be in the, the boundary a gap. The will, will be in the boundary B gap. And then our Bob will be in the boundary C gap. Um, we do that, and why we like that is if you are getting some sort of slide protection, you can drop your mic and will out. And uh, then we like to run the stunts um, to the defensive line side. So we'll get a uh, 
The nose guard will penetrate and will bring the tackle around um, to the A, so we like that stunt. And then if we're getting a man protection, then what I like is if you imagine your Mike and Will to the boundary, the, the Will is your B-gap player. He's just going to rush straight. I'll take my shade nose and cross the face of the center, and I'll bring my Will around so we get a kind of a cross stunt there again. Overload because it allows us to get all three of the defense alignment on one side, and then we walk the, the Mike and the Will um, down. That also allows us to... If we want a certain thing, we can overload it to the boundary and be able to drop the mic and will put them in better uh, responsibilities for field coverage. Um, if we really had some sort of coverage where the, the mic need to get out to number two and the will need to get to number three, they're closer um, there. So that's kind of our overload stuff. Now, let me ask you this, your personnel on average, who's your best guy up front is here, Bob. Because I know teams that do this, and I know sometimes teams, they balance out how they do the overload. And when you're talking, take a step back before I ask the wrong question. When you're talking about overload, you're just talking about putting the lineman to one side and then the backers to the other. You're not talking about those fronts where there's three guys to one side and one to the other. Well, we do the same thing. Same thing. So the nice thing about our system is that front is called the same thing. Um, it starts with the same letter um, in four down is what it does in our six down. It's just in the six down, it was named a fruit. Um, so for that, we would call that fig. But in our four down world, we may call that um, fish. So our kids know, our defense alignment know, hey, it's always consistent. Um, and then the fruit or we have vegetable terms and different things. That term tells the linebackers now to walk up on line of scrimmage. But, yeah, that would be consistent. So we could get into that look and not walk either of those linebackers down, and we have the overload. where The Bob is our best pass rusher generally, so we have that overload front that everyone in the NFL is running. A lot of college teams are doing it now. Um, and then we have the ability to walk those Mike and Will down um, and uh, do some different things there as well. Now let's talk about the overload front in terms of numbers, not personnel, but you've got three to one side. So let's just say shade three, five to one side, five to the other. When you yep. get in those looks, what do you like to do out of that? Yeah. So uh, if we think that we're going to get a four man slide to the overload, we're really excited because we're one-on-one -on -one with our, our Bob linebacker. Who's the pass rusher kind of on that tackle. If they're going to commit kind of, and we feel like you're only going to get that type of protection, um, whether it was a slide, it kind of it needs to go the opposite direction. Um, if they're just going to man up over on that other side, we have three one-on-ones and Hey, Bob, you know, rush outside and you can still win against a, a tackle on a guard slide. So, but what I like to do is bring someone back across. Um, I think the easiest thing is let your nose penetrate the A and have your tackle um, come across. And what you've done is if they're not disciplined in a four-man slide um, is you've broken their slide. So now you can bring that tackle back across and maybe your five-technique defensive end now has the option to go inside to the B-gap, which would in a slide protection should be closed. But now – that guard has tried to bump it over to the center and the other guard, and they've tried to pick up that 
two-way interior stunt, uh, and now you've broken their rules. So I think it's studying the offensive line. Are they going to be disciplined? Great. If all four guys are just going to you know, slide to the field and protect their gaps, then I got a one-on-one um, with my best defensive player. If they're not going to be disciplined in their rules, then I'm going to run some sort of stunt. I'm going to break down their, their zone side of their protection. Again, all great stuff. And then you bring the, the DB, uh, you bring a DB blitz to the zone side, and then your tailback's out on a route, and that, you know, if that tackle kicks out to your defensive back, now you're one-on-one with a defensive lineman, either unblocked or they, they have to you know, bump everything over and get it picked up. So that's some good stuff as well. That's great stuff, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anything else you wanted to mention in that, in that piece? Kind of the last thing we do in our six-down looks is we'll get into um, kind of an odd spacing. We'll get into a, a bear look, and what we'll do is we'll put our bob and our uh, mic in the, the B-gaps, and our uh, nose will be a zero. Our defensive end and tackle will be five techniques. And we like this versus um, empty, too. Um, we also like it anytime we think that they're going to get into a big-on-big big protection versus bear, which most people are going to do. They're either going to do that or they're going to they're going to slide. Um, but we'll walk that linebacker, that Will linebacker, who's our double-zero guy, down um, to the A-gap right before the ball snapped. And uh, if they are going to big-on-big big protection, we're one-on-one with the tailback um, right away. Uh, we've ran into teams in empty that didn't have a way to squeeze all their offensive linemen. So we were, uh, you know, that A-gap linebacker walked down and had a free hit on the quarterback because he was unblocked because the offensive line called big on big and they protected that guy and they didn't have a way in their system to be able to squeeze down. Um, and then if we feel, I always talk to my defensive players, they're super smart. If you feel, Will, you walk down the line of scrimmage and you feel they checked to something, like a squeeze, like there's only so many words that they can say to, uh, in their system to turn you know, a slide. We'll have him drop out if he feels that's the case, and then we've you know, we got a free uh, edge rusher um, from the C-gap that hopefully can affect the quarterback. So that's kind of the last thing. And then having the ability of having your Bob and your Mike as um, B-gap linebackers we can drop those guys out. So you got a four man rush um, and you're one-on-one with the running back and a six man protection. If it's a five man protection, uh, potentially your uh, will linebackers coming, hitting the quarterback and you're rushing four. So the, that's uh, the last kind of thing we do have our six down look that uh, can present some problems for some teams. Well, coach, this has all been great stuff. I really like your package, how simple it is, how intuitive it is. Just amazing stuff. You can tell it's well thought out. And I just really just am impressed with how you combine all of this stuff. So many people have quote unquote systems and it's just a bunch of stray concepts. But you've streamlined them all. And I think that's just so important. And I and as we've talked about, I think it's great how you rely on, you know, constructing that system around your player strengths. I just think that a lot of people don't do that. And and I think it's really cool the way that you did that accounting for their personality. It's not something I've really heard a lot about. I mean, naming stuff is one thing, but how you did the rules and, and it really just, I, I think that's some next level stuff. So 
Great job on that. I'm excited to see you guys play some defense this year if we ever can get there. So we'll wind this down. I will give you the question, the scenario that I do for most first-time guests. You've heard it before. I know that you are uh, you listen to the show a lot, so you know what I'm about to ask. I'm not. It's not like I'm surprised on your ass like, you know, Dean Pease or whatever. Who he had no idea what was coming. I didn't even give him. I don't, I don't even know if I gave him a preview. I was just like, all right, pop quiz. And he was like, what? <laughs> so you at least maybe you thought about it. Maybe you haven't, but you at least knew it was coming. All right. Scenario. Yep. And I always screw it up. So I, the, the, the variables change by between how many seconds are on the clock, what yard line it is, how good's the field goal kicker. Like I, I don't, you know, peek behind the curtain. I don't have like a script I, I read off of. So like sometimes I'll leave out how many timeouts there are, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, hope I get this right. All right. National championship game. What's the name? Is it the stag bowl for division three? Yeah, the stag bowl. Okay. I just want to make sure we had mill steps. We had no shot at it. So I didn't bother. I think I learned the name after we were there. <laughs> we, it was so hard to make the playoffs, let alone get in and, and get far. But anyway, I digress. All right, we're playing for the Stag Bowl. You're playing nameless, faceless, communist offensive players who you have no regard for as human beings. No, I'm kidding. That's not part of the scenario. Fourth and eight, 35-yard line. You got, let's, let's give 12 seconds. They got one timeout. Actually, no, let's give it eight seconds. 12 is a little too much. So eight seconds. They got to get the first down. You're up by two. They're trying to get in field goal range. They got one play. They're a six throwing team, three by one or two by two of the formations you're possibly going to get. Their field goal kickers pretty nails. In fact, what's the what's the name for kicker of the year in Division Three? I know there's the Groza at the Division One level. You have a I name for it? I think it's the NCAA Division Three kicker of the year. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I was I was waiting for that. All right, so he he's on the other side. He's nails. They're just trying to get the first down. They're not going to try any hail marys or anything like that, or hooking ladders to try to. Or maybe they will, but they're, they're, you're pretty sure they're going to throw the ball at the sticks. They're going to try to get that first. They're going to get the timeout. Maybe they'll clock it instead if they have time. Kick the field to try to win the Stag Bowl. So with everything being equal talent, there's no like, I don't have a pattern where there's like, all right, this guy's five foot eight and this guy's six foot four. None of that. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? What's your call? Yeah, so what we're going to do is we'll probably sub out our, our Will linebacker and bring in a defensive back so we have kind of six cover guys out on the field. Um, I'm going to get into our, our bear front, but I'm going to have our Bob and our Mike linebacker sitting in the B-gap. So this is kind of a, a Nick Saban um, thing is where I'm going. Um, so what we're going to play is a two-man type of defense. Um, so we'll man across the board. We're going to have the five down. I'm going to go into our match personnel, so I'm going to take our best pass rusher and put them against their worst guy, um, their worst tackle, or if their center's bad. We're hoping to get into a, a big-on-big protection um, look there. And uh, my Bob or Mike is going to be a spy guy. Um, they're going to banjo the tailback. So if the tailback goes and runs a route, the, that linebacker's got him. The other linebacker is a late spy rush. Uh, make sure the quarterback gets rid of the football. Uh, we're playing man across the board. Instead of pedaling with the safeties, though, we're going to use a slide technique, and we're going to try to rob the sticks. So those two high safeties are going to be super aggressive um, sitting there at the sticks. And uh, they go four verts, and, uh, again, they beat us, they beat us. But uh, we're, we're playing the situation 
We're trying to get our best pass rusher home. We're accounting for the quarterback getting out of the pocket with the spy guy and everyone else is covered. And we got two safeties robbing the sticks. Either you've thought about that question and had your answer ready, or that's an amazing thing to come up with the top of your head. And I really appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate your time. I know that we've had some false starts and some things behind the scenes. I, I like to give the listeners, I don't know if they care or not, but I like to give them a little peek behind the curtain. Um, see how the sausage is made because I'm just a coach trying to do a podcast, but we've had false starts, things come up, audio issues, something, some other stuff come up the other day. We've had to do this in bits and pieces and you have been nothing short of amazing and so gracious and kind and understanding. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing for the game. I appreciate fighting the good fight alongside of me or me alongside of you rather. And trying to, you know, this the game has always been made for offense. But right now, as I mentioned, it's the golden age of offense. So anybody trying to advance defensive football is a friend of mine. Not to mention you're a great dude and just, just a really great human being. And so I just really, really appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate your friendship. And I'm looking forward to you kicking some ass. Hopefully soon when the, the, the vid stops wrecking havoc. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me. If anyone out there has any questions, I'm uh, pretty straightforward. I'm willing to help anyone out there um, that wants to get better at, at football or, you know, just wants to talk a little defense. All right. Yeah. And real quick, I'm, I'm so bad at this. I, I need to, I need to go like radio or podcast school. I was half the time I forget. I was putting the show notes. So just a note for the listeners. If you ever, if I ever don't mention somebody's Twitter account, always check the show notes. I know they're on Apple. I'm not sure other platforms, but I always put the other person's Twitter accounts. Coach, why don't you give both of your Twitter accounts for spread defense and to see Rosie's school dances? Go ahead and drop it for us right now. Yeah. Um, so um, if you want to follow me and, and see mostly defensive stuff and then all really the great other coaches out on Twitter um, at spread defense is my account. I like and retweet you know, this show, any other defensive podcast, sometimes the commonest offense guys, if they think they got good stuff, or you can uh, follow me at coach Nick Davis. Um, if you're going to direct message me, that's the spot to do. I kind of have my direct messages turned off um, on the spread defense, unless I follow you just so I'm not getting DMS on, on two different accounts. But uh, those are two spots that you can uh, get at me and, uh, if I don't return your message, it's because about uh, 500 uh, recruits uh, are messaging me. J just keep after it. I will get back to you. I promise I will help you out in whatever way I can. I, I want to uh, be a friend of the football community. And that you are. And, and I got to tell you, man, I have the same deal. My Coach Vass uh, tweets or DMs are off. I actually keep my DMs off with Make Defense Great Again, um, but I always follow back. So um, it's a way for coaches where they can't just DM me without following me. Like, listen, you want to talk to me? You got to follow you're like, come on. I'm, you know, come on. You, you, you can follow me. I'll follow you back automatically. But I get so many follows from high school players that want to, I don't know if they think I'm a college coach. So, and I get messages. I can only imagine. And I, I, I don't, not only am I not coaching high uh, college, I'm not even coaching high school. Like I'm not coaching. I'm just a crumb grabber analyst. I can't imagine what you get. So thank you though, for, for continuing the game and thank you for educating. I know, and guys, if you have any players you think would be good for Rose Holman, please hit coach up amazing school. 
and it's produced a, a cool uh, little lineage of coaches um, from there. And if you if you want guys and you think they can handle it, and you reach out to coach, and because uh, I don't know of many other guys above Coach Davis that I want coaching my kids. So, Coach, thank you again for coming on. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Take care. Thank you to Coach Nick Davis for coming on. I really enjoyed talking about his pressure package. Follow me on Twitter at Coach Vass, the show's account at MDGA Podcast, patreon.com slash Coach Vass for all your film and educational needs. Make sure you check out the redesigned website, www.coachvass.com. The front page is links to the store and the new Coach Tube course. Make sure you check that out, Defending the Wing T offense. It was a real blast to make that course and went down memory lane and saw some great things and sometimes some not so great things. It's a thorough plan that's able to be implemented with your program. So check that out. Remember, if you do, MDGA podcast is the discount code. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. And always remember, the quarterback can't see with tears in their eyes.